0: Thanks, Anton. I'll check the plug next time, I promise. Poor Anton had to come all the way down here, and the problem was I just didn't, like, get the cord fully in the computer. So super sorry about that. Yay. How about a round of applause for Anton, who fixes all the problems, even the ones I caused. All right, let's open up in a word of prayer, shall we? Lord God, we are grateful um, just to come before you to spend this time together for the women in this room, Lord, for their hearts, um, to be moms who are after your heart, we pray that we would um, that we would be growing, that we would be stretching, that we would be trying new things, that we would be doing hard things uh, that you've called us to do. In your name I pray, amen. Okay, so the subtitle for this week I really like. It's called The Art of Living in Community. And I love that because community really is an art. It's something that ebbs and flows, and it's something that takes work, and there are moments when conflict arises and it needs to be addressed. Otherwise, if we let that conflict to fester, if we don't ever come together and address it, it's going to break the community. And it works that way in friendships and other kinds of communities and families as well. And so I'm really glad that we're talking about conflict this week, but I'm also really not glad that we're talking about conflict this week. Because when I was younger, I was, a conflict avoider in the sort of a classic way like I would rather never speak to someone again rather than have to have a hard conversation about what was going on I'm, I'm getting better at this I'm learning how to do this a little bit better but I think before I tell you about that it's important for me to tell you about how bad I have been at conflict resolution when I um, was younger I was never really good at having conversations that risked the feelings of another person. When, or whether it was someone else's feelings or mine. I did not like to have conversations in which someone's feelings would get hurt. And it got me, a lot of, got me into a lot of trouble in the past, especially in regards to like dating relationships. And so one of these such relationships Uh, Was in middle school, so that's our first problem is this middle school relationship, and I had this boyfriend But that was like a very loose term because we actually rarely conversed in person (laughs) Pretty much we saw each other and be like hey, and then like we were dating, but we wouldn't like Touch or speak or anything like that. We were just we were boyfriend and girlfriend And I was extremely hesitant in all of my relationships to express in words how I was feeling I tried really hard to use like subtle signals or things like that, but I didn't ever wanna say out loud, this is what I think and feel about our relationship. And so in this particular middle school relationship, I decided that uh, I wanted to break up. I decided that it was over. Um, I don't even remember why, I probably liked somebody else, he probably liked somebody else, like it was middle school, that's how it went. But what happened was, I didn't want to have the conversation with him, so I kinda just stopped talking To him in general. Now, to be fair, we never really talked in person. So it probably took him a really long time, like maybe a good solid week to figure out that I hadn't spoken to him for a week. And then uh, what happened was some people came up to me and they were like, oh, did you and -and so-and-so break up? And I was like, yeah, we did. But I never actually told him that. But I'm pretty sure he knows now that we are broken up and that relationship's over. Hopefully. Conflict is hard. Putting your feelings out there is hard. And it's also hard for someone else to put out their feelings and for you to receive that and to treat that well. Because for me, I think part of my conflict avoidance came from a good place. And that was the place of not wanting to hurt anyone's feelings. But you know what? This is life. And sometimes our feelings get hurt. And if we don't talk about it, it's way worse. It's way worse for everybody involved. And so as, as we talk about mom's strong ways to deal with conflict... I think we can pull some important truths. And I think that um, our author Heidi had some good truths for us as well. And she talks about being a no drama mama. And the first truth is this. Avoid conflict you're not involved in. She talks a lot about this in the book. And I think it's important because if it's not your drama, you've got to stay out of it. Find a way to politely excuse yourself from the conversation and continue to bring conversation back to a healthy resolution by saying things like well have you talked to the other person about this see i know that there's a huge temptation for me when i'm going through a conflict when i'm upset about something, things i want to talk to somebody else about it i want to bounce ideas off of them maybe talk to a, a friend that i trust but then maybe another friend that i trust and then another friend that i trust and then i'm thinking about this conflict so much that i just want to talk about it with everybody except for the person who's involved in the conflict. And I think this is really hard for women because I think for a lot of women, gossip is sort of like a nat- a national pastime, right? It's sort of like how you bond with other women sometimes. You sit around, you talk about people that you know, things that you have in common. And it, it slips into this very unhealthy place very quickly and I know that because I've been involved in it on more than one occasion. And I think that we can sort of, um, We could really talk about this all morning. But I hope that we're going to talk about it in our groups as well. Because avoiding conflict that you're not involved in is important and it's hard. It's important and it's hard because we want to help each other too, right? Like if if a friend comes to you and tells you I'm dealing with something, you want to help them out in that situation. But that's not the best way to go about it. And so that's our first is avoid conflict you're not involved in. Naturally, the next truth involves conflict that you are involved in, and that is to resolve. I can avoid nearly anything if I try hard enough, but when you're in conflict you cannot avoid, we have to resolve it. If you can remember when we talked back um, about forgiveness, we talked about the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation, right? And how reconciliation is two people coming together To resolve a conflict that they've been involved in and reconciliation is a part of living in community it's part of the art of living in community because we have to learn how to communicate with each other and how to resolve what's going on and so this morning i want to look at a rather famous scene of conflict it's a disagreement between two sisters and they go by the name of mary and martha you've probably heard it before if you haven't we find it in the book of luke chapter 10. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. This is interesting. So we see a squabble that's going on here between two sisters, but there's a lot going on underneath the surface as well. What happens is that Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Martha is doing all the work, and Martha is angry. She's angry at her sister, and she's probably a little bit angry at Jesus as well. But either way, her first step is to kind of drag him into this conflict that's going on. Now, I wonder if you've ever read this story and it bothers you a little bit. It used to bother me because I kind of feel bad for Martha. After all, she's the one doing all the work. Jesus the Lord has arrived at their home, and Martha's slaving away in the kitchen and you know what? Martha's, Martha's heart is probably in a very good place because she has the Lord in her home, and she probably just wants to do something really special for him. And so she's doing all the work, and Mary's just sitting there hanging out, and Martha's angry. It doesn't surprise me that much that Martha's frustrated in this moment. All of you are moms. You probably know what it feels like to be doing all the work while everybody else just sits around and talks. Think Thanksgiving, and there's football going on, and there's kids running around, and people are like, hey, can you bring me something? And you're like, do you not see the turkey that I am basting, <laughs> right? I think moms especially can feel maybe a little bit of what Martha's feeling. And so Martha, she gets honest in this moment, but also a little passive aggressive. We don't know for sure what happened prior to this moment, if there were earlier conversations, but it's safe to assume that Martha has, rather than going to her sister directly, has gone to Jesus instead. And she says basically to him, um, are not you gonna do anything about this? All this work that I'm doing and her just sitting here, you're gonna fix this, right? The good news about Jesus is he is not a conflict avoider. There were many times that he engaged in conflict. Sometimes he was angry. When he was rebuking the Pharisees, for instance, over and over, we saw anger from him. But he also, he doesn't let things slide. Sometimes his rebukes included harsh language. But other times like this one, he operates with extreme gentleness. He says to her, my dear Martha, and you know that he means that. Martha is dear to him. And so even though he's going to explain to her that she's wrong, He's not going to do it in a harsh way. There's tenderness in the way that he speaks to her. So why is Martha wrong? Here are a few things that we know from the context. The first thing is that Jesus and maybe all of his disciples, it's not totally clear, they have sort of shown up at their home and they are now guests. And Martha is the sort of the mistress of the home. She's the lady of the house. And so it's her job to make sure that her guests have something to eat, have a place to stay. She's automatically in hosting duty. They needed to eat, but what maybe they didn't need was a huge feast. You get the idea from this passage that Martha is pulling out all the stops. She's preparing the six course meal. She's doing everything that she can to make a really nice dinner and a really nice presentation. And as the sister, it would have been Mary's responsibility to help. But where is Mary? See, another thing that we know from context of this passage is that the disciples would often sit at the feet of Jesus. It was not just a metaphor. It was a literal term. So he'd be sort of reclining at the table and they would be sitting and he would be speaking and they would be listening. So they sit at the feet and they take in the information. It was not a place that a woman would sit. It's not a place that a woman would have been invited to. It was a sacred space that women would have just been discluded from. But Jesus doesn't do that. In fact, not only does he not do that, he defends her right to sit there to her sister. Jesus says she has chosen the good thing and we are not gonna take it away from her because Jesus is, he's sharing his wisdom. He's imparting his truth. And that wisdom and that truth is for men, and it's for women. The problem is that Martha could have sat there as well. She had the opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus and to listen from his wisdom. It was a sacred space that she was invited into, but she didn't take the invitation because she was so distracted by the other stuff. Does that make sense? That's how she's gone wrong. She's missed the invitation to sit with Jesus because of her busyness and her preparations. And so Jesus treats Martha gently because he feels compassion for her. Her intentions aren't necessarily wrong, at least they don't start off wrong, but her actions are. She becomes overly focused on the wrong things, the presentation, the preparations, and she's missing the opportunity to do the best thing, which is to sit at the feet of Jesus. And then Martha, by the time she speaks in this passage, you can tell she's already bubbling over. She's been stewing on this. Maybe she's been stirring the pot with an angry hand for a while and it's building and it's building. And by the time she finally comes up to say how she's feeling, it's sort of in this explosive kind of way. But she's stressed and angry because of her mixed expectations. What I like about the topic for this morning is that um, it's extremely practical and I think it's extremely important to talk about conflict resolution. And I'm actually convinced that the root of nearly every conflict is missed expectations. I think that the root of conflict is missed expectation. And so as we talk about resolving conflicts, I think it's important to identify your expectations. So when you're starting to feel upset or angry about something, what I try to do, the first thing I try to do is pause and ask myself, what did i expect to happen in this situation what did i expect my husband to say what did i expect my children to do see we all have expectations all the time societal norms all of those things where it's like weird if someone does something that's outside of societal expectation everything that we do is sort of laden with expectation whether they're societal whether they're our own whether they're spiritual there's all kinds of expectations And expectations are a good thing, but we need to learn how to identify them. So I learned fairly early on in marriage, and I was grateful to have learned this early, that men are not mind readers. I know that you know this, and I know that I know this, but I also know that we all oftentimes forget this, and we sort of try to send signals, or use cues, or do things to try to explain to our husbands what we might want from them without actually using words. And it turns out they have no idea what we're thinking in our heads because people cannot read minds. And so I learned that if I wanted my husband to understand something, I needed to explain it clearly and calmly and using words that he would understand and making sure that he was understanding what I was saying. So one such instance, I had this conversation with my husband. Here's how it went. I said, Kev, I know that you love me. You show me by doing the dishes and all these ways, and you tell me that you love me. I know that you do, but what I would really like a little more of is if you could tell me nice things about myself, like if you could use your words to be like, oh, you look so beautiful today. Those types of like little verbal compliments, that would be great. So think about that. Okay, break. That was the end of the conversation. So a little bit later, he decides to put this into practice. Maybe the next day, I think. And so he comes up to me, he gives me a hug, he gives me a kiss, he looks at me and he says, I love you, pretty brown head. <laughs> pretty brown heads. I mean, my eyes are brown, my hair is brown. Does that mean my head is brown? I don't understand. It was not what I was expecting. See, I had, I, had, uh, I had understood my expectations, I felt that they were reasonable, I had communicated them clearly, and it still went horribly awry. And so it is important to know, even if you take all these steps, it takes work. It takes work and it takes time to communicate and it takes a little bit of grace because he sure tried, I think. <laughs> I think he sure tried. And so the first question is this, and this question's kind of a hard one, I think. Are my expectations reasonable? It takes some serious thought and some self-reflection, especially when it comes to our kids. It's okay to have expectations of your kids. In fact, if you didn't have any expectations of your kids, you would probably not be that great at parenting, right? I know that you all have expectations of your kids, but we have to understand what's reasonable and what's unreasonable, Because a lot of times um, the expectations that we put on our kids that are unreasonable have more to do with us and our own issues and our own insecurities than they do with our kids. In the story of Mary and Martha, Martha has an unrealistic expectation. And maybe not so much of Mary, but of herself. See, why does she have to make this elaborate and huge meal? You get the impression that That maybe her heart started in the right place, that she wanted to do something special for Jesus, but then it became something else. It became about hosting. It became about her ability to put on something really nice. You get the idea that she's got maybe a little bit of her identity is rolled into this situation, into her ability to have a really, really nice dinner when Jesus comes over to eat. She lost focus on the person that she was hosting and instead turned the focus onto hosting itself, onto her ability to do a nice thing. And so she has unrealistic and misaligned expectations of herself and then that transfers on to her sister as well. This can happen sometimes with our kids. There are times when I, as a mom, put um, unfair or unrealistic expectations on my children and it's more about me and my reputation, in the way that I like to be perceived as a person. This comes out a lot in the realm of like clothing choices for me. I like fashion and I like for the whole family to be kind of like put together and fashionable. And it turns out that my kids want to wear whatever they want to wear. And so um, sometimes the things that they choose are weird or they clash or they want to wear like. My son really likes to, like, layer things in a very strange fashion. This is my issue. This is not their issue. It does not matter in the world if their clothes match or not. Maybe when they get older, they'll care and they'll want my advice. But right now, the fights that I'm having with them over what they choose to wear, that's an unrealistic expectation that reflects on me and not on them. Unless we're taking family photos, then I'm the queen, and what the queen says goes. <laughs> Just for that little session, then they can go back. But it is—it's it, hard. Um, it's hard because we we do this to our kids, and we—it it gets confusing if we don't take time to really sit down and examine what are my expectations and are they reasonable, we can end up putting some pretty heavy loads on our kids and on our husbands and on our friends and on on everybody that we know. And so I think it's important just to take that time for self-examination. The second question is, have I communicated my expectations clearly and well? Poor Martha. She communicates clearly, but not well. Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all The work. You see, she's being so passive aggressive and it is so not the way to communicate well. When we speak that way to other people, to our husbands, our children, our friends, to anyone really, it escalates conflict rather than resolves it. If you really want to resolve something, you have to resist the urge to take cheap shots like that because it puts people in a defensive position and it breaks down healthy communication. But I totally get where she's coming from because by the time she speaks, she's exasperated and she's frazzled and she's having trouble controlling her tone. And I've been there plenty of times. And so it's important for me in these moments to calm down. In a perfect world, here's what it looks like. You slow down. I evaluate my expectations. This helps with the slowing process because you're taking a minute to step and think. You communicate clearly and without tone. There's no manipulation. There's no guilt being laid on. There's no sass. Like I said, that's in a perfect world. Usually it looks a lot messier than that because we all have an instinct to defend ourselves. And sometimes we do that by going on the offensive and sometimes through passive-aggressive behavior. And so that's why this last step is really key and important as well. And that is, have I been vulnerable? Brene Brown, who's very wise and knows many things, she says that vulnerability sounds like truth and feels like courage. Sounds like truth and it feels like courage. Being vulnerable is hard. It's hard, harder for some people maybe than for other people. I'm one of the people that it can be kind of hard for because I don't like other people to know my brokenness or I don't like to let on the things that I feel insecure or unsure about. I like to come across as kind of a confident person. So vulnerability is really important. So I have this friend, uh, and, and we went to college together, and she's a mom, just like I'm a mom, and our kids are around the same age, and so we get together and our kids play, and they live out of state, but when we see each other, it's really fun. But we went on this trip with several other families there were like a million kids running around it was chaos we're like we're never doing this again next time we get together adults only but we were on this trip and things um started to unravel a little bit in our friendship and I uh avoided it because there were other people around and there were other people that I could talk to and hang out with and so I sort of just let it go and I hoped that it would blow over you guys ever done that before? Like, I'm just going to let this go and hope that it's going to blow over. And uh, it, it turns out that it doesn't usually blow over. Or if it does, what's left is not the same as what was there before. And so I know that conflict resolution is important. And I know in my head that I need to get honest about this. We need to work through this. And that our our friendship has the potential to be even better if we go through this. But I did not want to, and so I didn't until... I don't know, maybe a couple weeks later. And we used to talk all the time. And all of a sudden there was this gap, this void and this silence. And so I decided, okay, it's time to get vulnerable. And so I, I reached out to her and I said, here's what's going on. Being a mom is hard. And sometimes the way that you talk about raising your kids with such confidence, like every decision that you are making is the right decision. It makes me feel insecure about my parenting. It makes me feel insecure as a mom that your way is the right way and the way that I'm doing something is is the wrong way. And so I said that. and, And she said, oh, I'm so sorry I ever made you feel that way. I feel like other moms have made me feel attacked in the way that I parent. And so when I talk about parenting, I don't like to leave any room for people to come in and tell me how I'm doing it wrong so she went on the offensive because of being forced to be defensive i went on defensive and retreat and so in this moment i had this friendship this 10-year friendship that could have fallen apart because i was unwilling to say or do anything but then i heard Brene brown talk and Brene brown makes you feel like you can do anything and so i said okay we're gonna do this we're gonna have this hard conversation And it's probably the most beautiful story of conflict resolution I've ever experienced because of what our friendship looks like now. Because of the vulnerability and the truth that was opened up in that moment allows us to be more vulnerable and truthful about other things that are going on too. It sort of opened up a floodgates for us was sort of a turning point for us as friends. See, we call this the art of living in community because there is no true community without conflict resolution without the ability to sit down together, to get vulnerable, to share what's really going on, to share from our hearts, from the places that we don't want other people to see, the places that we want to wrap up in a nice, pretty package. But you know what it means to you when someone gets vulnerable with you. You know how good it feels when someone else lets you see a little bit of their brokenness. But it's still sometimes hard to translate that Right. It's hard for me to translate in my head that I know it's meaningful when other people are vulnerable to a heart where I'm the person who's willing to be that for somebody else. But we gotta work on that. We gotta get honest about our feelings, we have to offer apologies, and we have to offer forgiveness. So it's worth it. It's worth it for our friendships, for our marriages, and for our kids as well. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do not shy away from the hard stuff. We thank you that you showed us the way to approach conflict with tenderness, with love, with compassion. Lord God, I pray that you would, um, that you would continue to work on me to make the brave choice, to make the vulnerable choice, to communicate clearly, to communicate well. For the times that my expectations have been poorly communicated or unreasonable, Lord God, I pray that you would show me those moments. That you would show me the expectations I put on my children. That you would help me to realign. That you would help me to be the kind of mom that chooses to sit at your feet first. In your name I pray, amen.